0: How's it going, everyone? It's Tyler. And in this installment of our little writing process series, I'm going to be reading off a picture prompt that we all did earlier in the year. So if you don't know what a picture prompt is, it's pretty self-explanatory. You find a picture, whether on the internet or in a photo album, whatever, it doesn't matter, and you write a story about it. I told you it was self-explanatory. Um... The little twist we had on this one is that we didn't get to pick our own picture. So someone else in the class picked one, and then we all sent it to each other. So we each had our own picture, and we didn't get a choice. So that was a little extra challenge. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, My picture, I think it was sent to me by Emma, but I might be wrong. Oh, well. It's black and white, and it's that some guy walking through this drainage ditch, I think, or a drainage tunnel, I don't know. And he has a flare held out in his hand. Now the picture is taken from behind him and he's, you can't see the end of the tunnel. So I thought it would be kind of fun to play around with that and keep the audience in suspense and be like, oh, we can't see what it is. What is it, you know? So I'm just gonna read it off. And then once I'm done, I'll kind of go a little bit more in depth into my process for writing this one. So here it goes. Everything was silent down here, and that's what made it so, so loud. I was well accustomed to the sound of shoes crunching on loose dirt. But now, alone for the first time in nearly a year, it was almost unbearable. The soft hiss of the flare in my hand coiled around my body and settled in my ears like a dangerous serpent, further reminding me why I was here and what I was doing. My shaky breath bounded down the walls of the tunnel and ricocheted right back at me. The sound crept down my neck so clearly I could almost feel it, but the loudest sound was the pounding in my head. There is nothing louder than the beating of a dead man's heart. The darkness staring back at me was oppressive. It made me want to turn around and give up in the way that only the glare of the void can make you want such things. Instinct kicked up in my mind, urging, pressuring, begging me to stop, to leave this tunnel and this plan behind. There would be someone else, with another plan, another time. I could go back with my family. I could run away. My thoughts betrayed me and the blackness encouraged them. They swirled in my head and before my eyes with hundreds of other pleas and suggestions. The darkness smiled wickedly at me, sure that it was winning. I just glared back and held out the light a little further. It was going to be me. It had to be. I took a deep breath and kept walking. I soon lost track of the hour. The only indication that time was passing at all was the occasional rumble of battle above ground. The earth around me shook, and dust fell like snow. As tanks and bombs reformed my people's home, I pressed on. My surroundings grew repetitive, and memories began to stir. I remembered the days before we were attacked. We had heard of their kind before, of course. Who in the galaxy hadn't? Horror stories were carried in by the fleeing refugees of other planets. They're monstrous creatures with teeth as sharp as razors. To them, there is never a way to be too vicious. Blood is their glory, and glory is all they have eyes for. They take and they take and they take. If you have something that they want, nothing will stop them from getting it. Once they have your their eyes set on you, You and your planet are as good as gone. Even the United Galactic Federation was powerless to stop them. They could warn us and provide refuge, but they didn't dare engage. It would have been suicide. Like fools, we never paid the warnings much heed. What could a race desperate for power and province want with a tiny planet like ours? We didn't produce illustrious gems or valuable raw material. Our population was simply in the millions. We were sure we were safe. We were wrong. When their first battle cruisers entered our atmosphere nearly a year ago, we received a transmission from the Federation. It simply read, Our Condolences. Suddenly, the ground around me lurched and threw me to my knees. Dust filled my lungs and I covered my mouth in a desperate attempt to keep from choking. I knew what that intense quaking meant. I had witnessed it too many times. The ground lurched again as our jets and defense planes continued to slam into the ground. The first time this happened was a scene burned forever into my mind. Enemy cannons locking on and firing into the air, always hitting their mark. The horrible soul-crushing shriek of metal turning molten in less than an instant, a rain of burning planes and debris and people, like hellish tears falling from the sky, trees igniting and earth upturning as holes separated from wings and flew for the final time. And then the aftermath, looking out on the gray and barren wasteland that was once the fields you explored as a kid. A once thriving crop, now exchanged for hundreds of craters. The enemy a few miles advanced. When the shaking slowed, I got back on my feet. We were losing. I needed to hurry. The first time I went through this tunnel, I didn't understand what I had found. I had simply been trying to escape the too tight bunker that so many of us were hiding out in. The bunker was built long ago, it was huge designed to bear the populations of cities. There were countless turns and corridors, tiny spaces, and massive open pavilions. There were countless tunnels leading to things you weren't supposed to find, exactly like this one. I saw it, I was curious, and I entered. Now, I know what it is that I found that day. And that's why I'm going back. And that's why I know I'll never be leaving. Finally... After what felt like hours, the tunnel I was walking through opened into a gaping cavern. The blackness here dwarfed the kind that was in the tunnel. My mind screamed even louder to turn back. This was the most literal form of a suicide mission, and every nerve in my body knew it. I reached to my side and ran my hand up the wall. After a few moments of fumbling, I hit a switch, and the cavern began to slowly flicker to life. The fact that these ancient bulbs still worked amazed me even now, but the dull light did nothing to calm me down. If anything, the quivering lights, reminiscent of the flame on a candle, was foreboding of what was about to happen here. My skin crawled, and I shuddered. There, in the middle of the room, was a reactor core. It stood tall and proud, still performing its duty centuries after it was built and abandoned. It rumbled steadily, unaware of the increasingly tense atmosphere and the part it played in it. Hesitantly, I made my way up the stairs leading to it. Buttons and dials lined a panel sticking off from it. At the end, a lever covered in faded hazard tape stuck out. This was it. With the switch of this lever, the cooling system of the core would fail. Within minutes, the heat would become too much for the old tech to handle, and it would begin to self-destruct. Of course, there were measures to keep this from happening, mechanisms to shut it off with no lasting damage. I removed those weeks ago. With no way to stop it, pressure would build up to massive heights and release rapidly in a huge, devastating explosion. It would rip the ground apart right below the enemy lines. Fissures would split them apart like hell had finally come to collect their dues. It would seem as if the fire from our fallen planes was simply stored and stoked, and then returned with a vengeance to destroy them in return. I would never make it out of its path. There was no doubt that I would die in the explosion. This was a sacrifice I was willing to make. I wouldn't be remembered as a hero for this. Far from it, in fact. The initial explosion was only the first phase of the plan. This reactor was small. The explosion would barely even make a dent in the enemy forces. That is, the first explosion would barely make a dent. After some exploration, I discovered that the reactor was connected in a chain to countless others performing the same duty. Their purpose was to control the temperature of the core of our planet and keep it from overheating. When the chain broke, the other reactors would begin to fail. The planet itself would become a failing reactor core. A massive ticking time bomb on a galactic scale. It would be an explosion to rival supernova. That would be the true hellfire. The most destruction this side of the galaxy had ever seen. This was the only way to do it. This was the only way to ensure that no more planets would suffer the way countless others had. All life on my planet would be destroyed, yes. But what is a million lives? A billion lives in the face of the entire universe. A small sacrifice for the fate of so, so many others. Some would call it a noble sacrifice. Others would call me a monster. They'd say that I became the very thing I swore to destroy. But secretly, they'll be grateful. They will look to the stars and thank their gods that their planet wasn't next, that their children weren't next. The earth shook again. This was it. There was no more time. I closed my eyes and pulled the switch. All right, that was it. So I mentioned towards the beginning that the way the picture was taken he was blocking the end of the tunnel and you couldn't quite see what was down it. So that was kind of how I structured the entire thing. So I didn't let on till close to the end what his plan was and literally the big the big picture in his plan wasn't until the very end like the last two or three paragraphs. <laughs> so I hope that I hope I did a good job at doing that and it wasn't just tedious to listen to um I actually I had a little bit of trouble writing this one. So the way I write sometimes is that I'll get the whole thing outlined in my head. Sometimes I'll outline it on paper but I didn't this time I had it in my head and I'll be going through, and the parts that I have big inspiration at at the time, I'll go through and write, and then I'll leave a little break for the part that I need to fill in, and then I'll write another one of the big parts that I know what's going on. And I had some trouble connecting it this time. I don't know what the problem was. I think I was just tired. <laughs> this was at the beginning of the year, so I can't account for exactly what I was doing. I probably just wasn't paying attention. Um... I'm not sure what else to say about this one. When I first looked at the picture, the very first thought that went through my head is like, okay, we're killing this character, (laughs) honestly. So the whole thing was ramping up to killing him. So I think I achieved my goal pretty well, even if he didn't technically die in scene, but it's implied, it's heavily implied that he died. And so did more people. A lot more people. Which brings me into another point. Kind of with this one, I wanted to give it kind of a moral twist. Like, at the end, you have to decide for yourself. Oh, was it a noble sacrifice, like he said? Or was he a monster? Like, is the sacrifice worth it to save the rest of the galaxy? Or should you have tried to find a different way without killing so many innocents? You know? So I think I wanted the readers to try and kind of make that conclusion themselves. So what do you guys think? You can tell me if you want. I would greatly appreciate it. Because I think most of the class said, yeah, it was justified. But there were a couple others that was like, uh, no, don't kill innocent people. So I'm interested to know what you guys thought. Um, I kind of... I knew in my head that he was going to be going down this thing to blow something up for something like that when I started. But I didn't know what exactly the main antagonist was going to be. And I was just kind of riding it and letting my brain go wherever it wanted to go. And I got down to that part and was like, oh, I guess it's sci-fi now. (laughs) So that wasn't part of the plan. It just kind of happened, which that tends to happen when you're writing. You'll be going in a direction. It's like, all right, guess we're doing this now. And you just kind of have to go with it. But I think it turned out pretty well. I hope it made sense. I think it did. But oh well. And yeah, I can't really think of anything else I need to say about this one. Although it was kind of tough to write, I did enjoy it. And I hope you guys enjoyed it too. So thanks for listening, I guess. See you later. Sup, y'all? It is currently later. So I was listening to this recording back, cringing at the sound of my own voice. And I was like, oh yeah, there was totally a point I wanted to make. And it's not an important point, but I wanted to make it. So here I am making that point. So one thing you need to know about me as a writer is I do not like writing in first person. And as I'm sure you are aware of, that story was in first person. So when we started, when I started, this was a me thing. When I started writing this story, I was like, this needs to be In first person, like in the back of my head, I was like, come on, just do it. It needs to be in first person. It'll make it better. And I'm like, no, I hate it. So I started, I was being defiant of myself, I guess. I started writing in third person, as I tend to do, because that's my favorite person to write in. (laughs) And I got not even a quarter of the way through. And I was like, okay, I was right the first time, this needs to be in first person. So I go back through, I was actually at work when this was happening, so it was double terrible. And I go back through and I change it all into first person. And sometimes when you're writing, you're not gonna want to do it. Let's be real. Sometimes when you're writing, it's like, wow, I don't wanna do this. But I, as I'm sure you can imagine, Using first person, resigning myself to it, made this story come out a lot better. It made it seem much more like it was from the character's perspective, which it was. So I don't know why I thought I could fight it. And that's just something you have to learn to do. Go with the flow. As I mentioned earlier in the first recording, I was like, yeah, I was just writing and then it turned into sci-fi. It was so weird, but it turned out good. So I was just writing and it turned into first person. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with not wanting to do something. Everyone gets demotivated about it. But the thing about writing is if you think it could be better, even if it's going to be harder. You need to not give up, not downplay yourself, just because you don't want to put in more effort. Because I promise if you do what you think you need to do, it's going to be so much better. Even if it's a bit of a task, eh, a lot of a task, and you don't like it, it will turn out better. And I think this one turned out a lot better. So I just had to put in more of my two cents. I had to put in my four cents and clear that up. So uh, this time I will actually see y'all later. Bye.